Welcome back to Loser Real, folks. It's Philip Kingston, your uh, faithful reporter, along with the lovely Tyler Wade. Hello, Tyler. Hey, Philip. Um, we are. I'm going to be traveling next week, so I won't even be here for the actual election. Um, so we decided we needed to do our election preview spectacular uh, to leave you all in the right frame of mind to 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 go vote for these important elections and stop being so uh, lackadaisical. And yes, there's no mayoral election, but there's still important stuff to vote on. Um, what else we got? I feel like elections are the biggest thing. And uh, yeah, getting people out of their complacency. And my, one of my favorite words, Philip, is feckless. Mm-hmm. Getting people out of their fecklessness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, city elections are important. Obviously, you and I are both former city office holders. Um, but what happens at City Hall in Dallas has a much greater impact on everybody's day-to-day -day life than anything that happens in Austin or Washington, D.C., with one possibly yeah. tragic exception, that yeah. preemption bill not uh, great. that got through the House is beyond not great. Like, I, I can't totally predict what it does. The sponsors couldn't even tell people what it does. Um, the one thing that I'm taking comfort in is that I'm very sure it's going to produce a lot of litigation for uh, cities that I tend to work for, <laughs> which is yeah, good, yeah, good for your yeah bottom line. Man, the preemption stuff is just—I mean, I know it's it's kind of a wasted exercise to call out Republicans for their ideological inconsistencies, but you know, gosh, the party that supposedly prides itself on being about local control really hates when the localities are controlled by people who are of opposite political parties. Yeah, right. And, you know, if they think that if their overall governing principle is that the people who live closer to things are better at making decisions than people who live farther away, you know, when it comes to states' rights, i.e. their wantonness to discriminate against black people, right, or pick other minority, you know, why that same logic does not apply to thinking that cities have a better idea of what people that live in the city want for their communities no um, no it creates a patchwork of regulations that businesses don't know how business. to deal with yeah yeah despite the yeah. fact that the those patchwork regulations occur in the places where business is most often done i don't i don't think reeves county is all that important to the state's G gdp um, i think <laughs> dallas county is quite a bit more important um but yes we should we should definitely have the same rules as reeves county there was a really good art. I think it was in the Atlantic this week that was talking about sort of the red states and whether or not the red state economic engine is coming to an end. Did you see this on online this week? I thought it was really fascinating, but something that's super interesting. And as somebody who obviously moved to Texas from Indiana, you know, Indiana is seeing this much more broadly than Texas is. But you do wonder if it's coming to Texas, too, where, you know, as a state, it, Indiana has really seriously disinvested in education as a result our college going rates are dropping uh, we've done all of these draconian awful social sort of bills right and even though we've been governed by with the exception of of mike pence generally speaking republican governors who are more of the business republican crowd 
Um, the state legislature is just full of these religious zealots that continue to push these crazy, crazy, crazy agendas. Um, and so, you know, when people look at expanding their business operations, Indiana, with its declining college going rate and overall bad education, and it's just not an attractive place for people to live. Right. Yeah, no. And it's uh, it's it's very strange. They've been very bad at courting businesses to come there or to stay there. Um, the uh, Rivian, which is the electric vehicle manufacturer that um, is Amazon's partner for its delivery fleet, but also produces uh, a couple of very cool um, luxury electric trucks and SUVs, um, which, I mean, they're legitimately great. Like there are certain, there, there are car journalists who have called them the best car being made today. Um, they left Indiana and they, they said a lot of disingenuous things, I think, because I think the main reason they left Indiana was to avoid the UAW, but Indiana didn't do shit to try to keep them, you know? And so they I think they moved to Georgia, um, and that's just, that's super tough. The, the thing that struck me this week, though, is I was looking at some of these Republican legislators that I know something about one way or another. And um, there are dozens who served on city councils. Mm -hmm. And it is virtually certain that they voted last week to overturn their own previous votes. Yeah. Like the, the level of hypocrisy has reached an all-time high. Yeah, that was uh, my uh, during our in Indiana's legislature met every year. That was uh, was sort of the person in our council meetings when we would go around and have to give reports of what was going on in our district. Uh, and my report, especially during the time that the ledge was in session, was just to talk about all of the awful things that they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> that became like my like, what's going on in the fourth ward? I would be like, OK, we're doing this, this and this. But let me tell you about these pieces of shit legislation that's going on in the state house. <laughs> Uh, it's not good. Everything's, uh, yeah, things are really bad. The state house is bad. Thank God that the end of the session will be coming soon, hopefully. But uh, it just, yeah, the hit parade of awful things out of Austin continues. The end of the four month period where people uh, get drunk with lobbyists and cheat on their wives. Yikes. Or, yeah, cheat on their wives and maybe even with people that work for them, allegedly. Yeah, potentially harass young women. Yeah, I think that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Man. Uh, hard to have a lot of regard for that down there. But it, if they if they actually, if so, it, the, it does not appear that the, there will be any slowing that process. It will pass the Senate and Greg Abbott will sign it. The question will then move to what the fuck does it mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I honestly don't know. I can't. I'm going to sit down with it this weekend and try to think of some things that it could mean, in the hopes of like thinking of some awesome lawsuits I want to file. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a, a nasty fight to follow. And you know, the education one I think continues to be something for folks to follow. I think it'll be interesting to see, right? So they passed that Herrero amendment um, in the budget bill on the House side that would prohibit, you know, uh, sort of state fund from going to private schools, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, you know, the governor 
and Lieutenant Governor have so staked their their power behind expanding vouchers that I think they I don't know. I would like to think that they're probably going to get something out of it, unfortunately. Um, but I do wonder if they they don't get their way before the end of this session, you know, the governor probably has an appetite to just keep calling special sessions until he gets what he wants, right? Maybe. Uh, he said in the past he would do stuff like that, but he has never called more than one. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, the funniest one I remember was in 2017, he called a special with 10 items. Um, and you know, the, and under our boneheaded constitution, he gets to limit the topics for the special. Um, and <clears throat> he went over, like they had a month long special session and he got nothing, like just nothing. And so part of what that does is it turns off even his own party members in the legislature because um, the ones who aren't, um, uh, you know, uh, the ones who don't, who actually do love their families or the ones who have fucked so many people in Austin that they actually want to go home, um, they they don't like being held over. And so it, it it's, I think he's, he is the least popular governor among legislators in his own party that I've ever seen. Um, it, it's it's bananas. So maybe, you know, that I think comes down to a negotiation between the House and the Senate. Um, <clears throat> nobody's going to want to spike the entire budget because that will produce a special. Even um, though Dan and Dade, see, Dade, Dan Patrick seems willing to do that, right? Uh, he says he talked. is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's still a lot of potential for bad shit to come out of the budget. Um, but uh, what do California I California Dade, did you see that uh, ridiculous social media spat between Dade Phelan and oh, yeah. Dan Patrick this week? Yeah, and, and I mean, California this, this Dade. right-wing Trumpet, <laughs> Trumpist thing where we, we, we try to make up funny nicknames for each other, it's just so puerile and it's still... not funny it's i mean it's seriously not the, the only funny one i've heard in the last two to three years is meatball ron mm. just because it's so shockingly <laughs> uh you know out of um good social grace <laughs> oh ron <laughs> He's had and I love I love the way that Trump talked about it. He's like, no, of course we don't call him Meatball Ron. I would never call him Meatball Ron. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I th Ron De Sanctimonious, though, is a good one of Trump's. I don't you know. know. I, I think I, I, he's never gonna do better than Meatball Ron. <laughs> and you know for a fact that that's what he calls him. Yes. Meatball, <laughs> Meatball Ron. God, that's funny. Um, um okay, we got so... to do it. Sorry, I'm sorry. I stepped. No, in. I should, should we dive into uh, the election stuff, or did we have other I, things? I think we should. Um, I think the overview is that we were basically right. Um, I don't. I don't want this to be. I don't want to be right. It, add this to the long list of things I would like to be wrong about. Um, it seems to me that there is massive apathy. Uh, about this election. Um, the early turnout numbers don't look great. Um, 
I, 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 you know, I don't know what to say about that. It's, it's important, but you can't make other people see the importance of it. You know, they, you generally, I think that people don't get involved in government until government has done something negative to them. That that's usually how it happens. And I, I don't understand why people who will tell you in detail how much they hate the traffic and the the street condition and having to have their uh, trash picked up in front of their house. And I mean, these are things I hear all the time. People are willing to complain about these things all the time. And this is your one chance to actually affect it, you know? And and so that's that's very interesting to me. But I think it I think it is pretty clear that we were basically correct earlier on that with a lack, especially with the lack of a contested mayoral election, um, we're just seeing very, very little uh, excitement around the election, which yeah. which brings me to a good question. Who did you write in? <laughs> well, I wrote in the only person for mayor that you can write in, right? Kendall Richardson, and have it be counted, right? Because if you write any other names, they don't count them. Right. right. So I did the same thing you did, because that's how I understand the rule also. But I have been sent screenshots for some funny other names. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I think I tweeted way back in the day that I was going to write in Jerry Hawkins. And I talked to a couple other friends who were like, I'm going to write in Jerry. And I was like, I think Jerry would be a great mayor and better than Eric Johnson. But I think the only way that it officially gets counted is, is if he signs to... up. Yeah. So Kendall with one L Richardson for Loserville listeners that want to oh, not vote fuck, for I misspelled his name. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Kendall with one L. Uh, <laughs> when I voted at uh, Samuel Grand, it, it is it was on the inside uh, of the little the voting booth area on the left hand side, it had his name listed. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known how to spell it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the early voting stuff before we kind of go if we want to go race by race. So it looks like through the end of the day yesterday, 22,500 people had voted early, um, which is just about 1.6% of the mm -hmm. registered voters in Dallas County, which now, uh, on the plus side, the yeah. next two days historically have been the heaviest early voting days. Um, so, I'm, you know, I, I don't think it's time to just say it's a disaster. Um, so for folks who have not voted yet, it looks like polls will be open from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock again tomorrow, Saturday the 29th, depending on this goes out, noon to 6 o'clock on Sunday the 30th, and then from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on May 1st and 2nd. And then election day is obviously Saturday, May the 6th. And, you know, just one more time, because I can't help myself. Um, I know there are lots of people who like to go to their polling place on election day and they see their neighbors and they see, you know, a, a form of civic life that used to exist in the United States and is, is long dead. Um, but uh, don't do don't fucking do that. Don't fucking do that. Go vote early, please. If you give a shit about any of these candidates, you are hurting them by not voting early because they will use their GOTV money on you and they will send their GOTV volunteers to you and they will mail you more stuff. You won't be removed from your mailing list. If you're not enjoying all the texts you get, a good way to stop them is to go fucking vote. 
Um, and if you're really, if you really are going to be too upset about not seeing your neighbors on election day, just go to your goddamn poll. You can just hang out there. <laughs> go vote. You know, uh, before we do that, the, the civic engagement piece did bring up something, Philip, that I, I have found interesting and we've not talked about on the pod since I have been on. When I moved to, to Dallas and granted it was during COVID, one of the things that I noticed just about sort of the elections overall is how at least I think it's really hard for people to find good information about candidates and the positions outside of like the candidate questionnaires that get published by the League of Women Voters in the Dallas Morning News. And if you're a member of groups and know about candidate forums, you know, they're out there. But the people that know about them, I feel like are very few and far between. You have to be really, really plugged into your neighborhood to know when there's a candidate forum happening. And that's something that is really different uh, for me in moving here is just how little opportunities there are for those sorts of things that at least I feel like as somebody who's really politically attuned, I don't really know about any of them that happen on a really regular basis. Well, um, Monday Night Politics is a grassroots group that has tried to make these regular. Um, and you know, they 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 do a good job. They they there are some good people in that group. And when you actually and they they tend to host some of the more harder hitting forums. They're not debate style, so you don't get that. But they ask pointed questions, and they are not scared. And so I like that about those people. But just like all the rest of us, COVID just fucked them up, you know. And uh, and so we don't have a real infrastructure of promotion of local elections it's up to the individual um campaigns to promote stuff and i i think that the candidates you know i i i'm subscribed to all of their social media that i should be the yeah. easiest person for them to reach and i don't see them promoting their own forum appearances yeah, right. Not very well. Right. And I'm even shocked that in this is but like KERA could easily do a debate series. Yeah. Right. And that would be very much in the lane of the stuff that they do. Right? And they could and they have the personnel who have the skill to conduct an actual debate. Most of what the candidates are going to are neighborhood forums where they're given uh, a short opening and a short closing and then the you know they just each each one answers the same question in turn and there are tricks you can use to turn that into more of an exchange and certainly i have i i have a treasured video of me destroying somebody you know, you know during one of these things even though i was theoretically limited in what i was supposed to answer um the but if if you have a, a really like a professional journalist and somebody who's adept at interview, um, having some back and forth and making people go a step deeper than what they put in their stump speech, uh, I think that's valuable for voters, especially because the LWV um, questionnaire and the morning news questionnaire, especially if you read them together because they have different questions, gives you a very good picture of who you're thinking about, but you are getting their words in exactly the way they want them presented. And it's definitely worth testing that stuff out because 
people will say all kinds of things that they can then later uh, claim that you misunderstood, you know, when they do something that contradicts your expectation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just surprising. And I don't know what the, I don't know the campaign to start behind it, but I have just been disappointed because I do think between the morning news, KERA, Bromer, you know, I, I think you could get people behind doing more of those really legitimate candidate conversations, but it's hard and we don't get good. I mean, the governor's race doesn't model it well either. You know, Governor Abbott will only do one debate and have it be on a Friday night when everybody in Texas is watching high school football because he doesn't actually want to debate the issues, right? Um, well, true. And it, there was no way, I mean, it was not going to be beneficial for him. So in some ways I understand his yeah. his thought process, but as voters, we ought to hold that against him. It's just that we don't, we don't. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of sucks. But yeah, I, I do think that public institutions owe duties to the public. And one of the duties is to promote uh, democracy. Um, I guess, I mean, I'm, th this is how I was raised and I think how you were raised, but maybe it's not true anymore. Maybe we, we would just prefer fascism. <laughs> yeah. At least some people I think definitely would, depending on who the fascists are. Um, okay. Enough of Philip and I making everybody sad, uh, talking about the state of democracy in Dallas County. Do we want to go in these district by district? Is that the best way to go? Yeah, but you, you want to go... Do you want to go one to 15 or do you want to go 15 down to one? See, I, you know, that's, I think maybe we go, I mean, we talked about the mayor's race. So for, if we go, so 14, we kind of started on 15 already, yeah, right? Start on 15. So no one's running against the mayor. So if you want to vote against Eric Johnson, you have to write in Kendall Richardson with one L. The mayor will win. What? Uh, yeah. I have nothing more to say about that. <laughs> Uh, uh, District 14, um, Paul Ridley incumbent, um, two challengers, hard to remember that there are two of them. One is Amanda Schultz, who's actually sort of running a campaign. She's managed to send three pieces of undersized mail, uh, and she's bought every square inch of the internet, uh, for web ads. Um, she, and there are yard signs. I've seen yard signs in some neighborhoods. There are some yard signs. They're in her neighborhood and in Lakewood. Paula's neighborhood. Lakewood Heights. <laughs> yeah, and, and outside of our district. Um, and they're not in Oaklawn or Turtle Creek or Uptown anywhere. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It, it, you know, it, it's it's way easy to make assumptions about how a race is going. Um, and I don't want anybody who cares about district 14 to be discouraged from voting. Go vote for Paul. We've been surprised in this, um, in this district before, ask me how I know. Um, but Paul won by 21 plus. Um, we've got a little bit of data from live calls and, and texts that generally are are encouraging. Um, she apparently really shat the bed yesterday at a forum hosted by Downtown Dallas Inc. and the Morning News um, that I think uh, Everton Bailey will have uh, some reporting on soon. Um, it apparently featured the results of her um, open records request for all of my emails with Paul. 
Um, and she, uh, she, I think she has some of these up on her website right now. She's apparently um, very upset that I sent Paul a request to um, help get me paid for expenses I incurred as a council member. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't see her getting any traction anywhere. Um, all, the, all the yards I see signs in are uh, three groups of people, Republicans, Airbnb operators, um, and uh, investment properties where no actual voter lives. So, of course, Amanda Schultz, right, was the, on the park board under David Blewett who was the city councilor between Paul and Philip. Um, yeah, the, her decision to come out in favor of short-term rentals, I found to be really weird considering that's D14 is probably the one place where that's like the most talked about issue period, right? Uh, I don't know. It is, it is growing in importance in every place where yeah. the incumbent has not clearly stated opposition. So Janie Schultz, her neighbors came for her, and I am told that earlier this week she issued a written uh, uh, note of opposition to STRs and has promised to vote to ban them in single-family neighborhoods. Um, Janie, um, I I really like Janie. She's I, I think she's pretty cool. Um, so I'm I don't mean to be mean about her, but. She fucked up on this deal and gave Candy Evans, a candidate who otherwise would poll about 24%, uh, an issue to talk about. And the reason she, that we think she did that is because we Candy uh, lists her pool on Swimly mm -hmm. and she rents her pool out. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not so renting my pool to anybody. Uh, so we mentioned Amanda has the backing of the police and fire associations, real estate council, apartment association, greater Dallas, black American futures pack. Um, what the hell is black American yeah, futures pack? I have no idea. I saw that what that means. That's uh, astroturf. a fake astroturf organization. Um, Paul, we think has done a great job is super intelligent, right? Very smart guy has a really good skill set. Uh, has, I think been a fantastic counselor for 14 and then the other candidate in that race, like we said, it is easy to forget, is Joe Miller, who's like Methuselah, as near and, as I can tell. And is Scottish, which you can tell from his accent, but then he also says, I'm from Scotland. And then his <laughs> other thing that he always says at every appearance is, it's Miller time. It's Miller time. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so he's a retired engineer who is over 80, I think, never sought her public office before, doesn't have a campaign website, um, has not raised any money for his campaign. Didn't he answer the, the morning news questionnaire, did he? Uh, I think he did. I think he did. Well, or maybe not great answers. Oh, okay. He did. He provided some, not many. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, he has, though, been endorsed by the Dallas County Republican Party. <laughs> well, that's weird because on their on their list of candidates, didn't they single out um, Amanda as being the candidate for change? 
I need to find out. Uh, I tried to spend as little time looking at the Dallas County. <laughs> they had some kind of publication. I, I think they just put it up on their website and on their social media where they basically invented reasons to vote against every single uh, incumbent except for Kara. So, uh, no, on their website, yeah, he is their official endorsee. Okay. Place 14, Joseph Miller. Um, that's D14. People should vote. Definitely vote. Don't just assume Paul's going to win. Well, and the, the, win. the thing, you know, the thing about District 14, uh, I was talking with Melissa about this at lunch. You know, it's the center of gravity for the city. Um, it's the densest richest most economically productive fastest growing um fastest rate of new business formation fastest rate of construction of any district in the city despite being geographically less than a tenth of the size of the largest um and that's because of population density um but it uh it's we had this discussion during redistricting. Lots of people drew maps that would have taken the Oaklawn plan, PD193, which is the, the, the has been the vast majority of Dallas's growth in the last 20 years, and put it in different districts or divided among districts. And as somebody who's represented that area, let me tell you how much you need to read the short story, The Ransom of Red Chief. Um, it is the most complex piece of zoning uh, I've ever seen here or in any other city. It has some of the most complex social relationships and arrangements uh, in the city. It, it, it takes damn near a lifetime to figure out how to govern PD-193 effectively. Um, and what we saw you know, when Amanda was on the park board is that she was willing to give away public assets to private operators. Um, and her, the person who appointed her was willing to just run over PD-193 and not really respect the, you know, the zoning that was there. And um, that's, I mean, that's some bad shit. You know, I mean, that, and it's the kind of thing that will cause those people uh, who live over there to really uh, get riled up. And so D14 is super important. It's the most important. And I know I say that as a biased person, but it's not close. However, whatever metric you want to put on it, um, it it's, it's the thing that will determine the future of Dallas, at least as an economic entity. I, uh, as you mentioned, Amanda's website, I did look at the uh, problematic Paul section of it. Um, and she just doesn't like you at all. I know. Uh, it's in a weird, obsessive kind of way. Well, Those are my words, not Phillips. But, I, uh, no, I, I think it's true. I don't really understand it. Um, you know, she, uh, I'm not sure if I told this story. So my mailman stopped me a couple of weeks ago. I was out block walking for Paul and ran into my mailman. My mailman is a 20-year retired Army sergeant. Um, now he's a, a, a letter carrier, which I think is the right word. Proper term, yes. Um, and he was like, 
you know what she did to me, right? I was like, no. What would that be? He had been to her house, delivered mail. He's walking away. And he says she comes running out, yelling at him. Hey, 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 you, hey. And he says, well, what? What's going on? She's like, did you take a check out of my mailbox? He's like, absolutely not. I, I just put things into mailboxes. He's like, I don't take things out of mailboxes. And um, she's like, there was a check in there from a, from a friend of mine. You know, and I think you took it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to call and report you. He's like, be my guest. And she did. He walked off. She did. Later, her husband tracked him down. He had taken the check out of the mailbox. <laughs> um, and her husband tried to, um, you know, her husband did do the right thing and called the office to countermand the complaint or whatever. But, um, you know, he he tried to apologize to our, our mail carrier. And, uh, he, and you know, that, that guy was like, well... Uh, maybe if your wife wants to apologize. And so uh, Corey is my uh, letter carrier's name. So every time he's around, she like darts away, has avoided him for years. <laughs> that's, that's, well, that's wild. Yeah, you can't be mean to the postal carriers. I really don't think you can. I no. mean, if you're a person who is, uh, believes in in good government and the power of government, then you think that the postal service is an ex, you know an indispensable yeah. service for Americans. And if you're a person who hates government and wants to tear it down, you think postal workers have automatic weapons. And well, <laughs> so yeah. in in either in either instance, you should not be mean to postal workers. No, they're uh, they're good people. Uh, even though they're not supposed to take gifts for the public leave them something at Christmas time, you know, uh, they're good workers. Okay. That's 14, 13. Gayden L. Willis is the incumbent there. She faces a challenge from Priscilla Shacklett. Does she? <laughs> Priscilla Shacklett has been a real estate agent for 12 years, has lived in Dallas for a decade, um, has served as an election poll watcher and a precinct judge among her qualifications, um, and has been talking a lot about, um, well, all of the crime in Preston Hollow, all of the concern about crime in Preston Hollow, which. Preston Hollow seem real, real. I've uh, not looked at the numbers, today. but I don't, I mean, yeah, probably. Actually, there's probably a lot of crime there, but not what they're talking about, I don't think. If I had to guess. <laughs> There's probably a lot of white collar crime that's happening. Yeah, that. that's probably the epicenter of insider <laughs> trading in Dallas. If, if we uh, if we wanted to play that game, but I don't think that's <laughs> the kind of crime that they're they're talking about. Um, I think Gay's done a really good job, right? Um, she's been uh, a great uh, asset to the council. Um, has done a lot of work in sort of with the Vickery Metro community. Um, has done some work with the Dallas Truth Racial Hearing and Transformation Group. Um, worked with the uh, Turtle Creek Conservancy, um, has been, I think, an effective member of council. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is a really obvious one. Like she's, there There are ways to criticize Gay if you don't agree with all of her policy takes. She is one of these people who believes that human trafficking is happening all the time uh, and is a big fan of giving police millions of dollars to hunt down a crime that isn't occurring. 
um, or is very rarely occurring is probably the better way to put that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not our district. It's not a progressive district by any stretch of the imagination. And she has managed to be a moderating force, very similar, I would say, to one of her predecessors, Anne Margolin, um, who I think people really like. And I think I think in memory, Anne Margolin's tenure has become even more impressive, given you know what those people suffered under Jennifer Gates. So uh, you know, I I think she's a return to. And before Anne, there was uh, Mitchell Rosansky. Very, you know, conservative dude for sure, but uh, a very pragmatic guy who is one of the few people who would form a coalition with Angela Hunt, for instance, to do really good government stuff. You know, treating the office as truly nonpartisan and making making things work. And I, I, I think that's basically gay. I think she's. I think it's impossible to say she's bad. And I think you. It's just a. It just depends on how much you agree with her, how good you think she is. Uh, her opponent has also been endorsed by the Dallas County Republican Party, and is a swirling red hat Trumper. Um, district twelve. Uh, that's Kara Mendelson's district. She is unopposed. So. We don't need to cover it. Welcome back, Kara Mendelson. Welcome Congratulations. Back, um, that takes us to 11, District 11. So Janie Schultz is the incumbent there. She is running for re-election. Janie uh, has, I think, also been a phenomenal uh, member of council. She is being challenged, though, by Candy Evans. You talked about some of the conversations that's been happening on in that district around short-term rentals. Candy runs candystirt.com which is a website that is a good repository of interesting things that are going on in Dallas. Particularly with real estate. Candy is a, a real estate agent um, and former SMU cheerleader. Well, there you go. Um, Candy made her first run against Lee Kleinman when he so thoroughly angered public safety uh, associations that they launched everything they could at him. Um, <clears throat> their reaction was not very beneficial for them. I'm not praising that, but in their defense, he was horrible to them. <laughs> so that's what, you know, that's what started Candy looking at politics. I, I mean, she, did she break 30% last time? Mm. I kind of don't think so. Um, so I, I don't think that's a real challenge, but it's just, as we said, um, you know, Janie gave Candy, uh, an issue to run on that now Janie has had to, you know, clarify that she is absolutely against short-term rentals. Um, Candy has endorsements from the police association and the Dallas County Republican party. Janie's endorsements are from the Dallas morning news, the Stonewall Democrats, the firefighters, the builders, and the real estate council. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, the, the thing that we're not going to do in this rundown is talk about the neighborhood leader endorsements, which frankly are more important than the uh, organizational endorsements. And all you need to know from the District 11 race is that um, uh, Janie has all of them. 
That takes us to District 10. So this is an open seat. So Adam Agu is term limited from serving as a District 10 counselor again. All of us can be happy about that. There are four people running in that, but probably two candidates that are the ones that are at the top of that list. So the two ones that uh, are, I think, likely to, if it does go to runoff, it will would be between likely Kathy Stewart and Brian Hassenbauer. Brian, um, the third person at race is Serrano Baldeo. And if I'm not mistaken, he pulled single digits last time. And I expect, expect he'll do the same this time. So I think a runoff is less likely than not. Wait, that's the, not how you say that. Is less than 50% likely to happen. Likely. The other person I saw is running is Chris Carter. Oh, I forgot about that. Conservative Chris business Carter, man. a literal yeah. fascist. Yeah, big fan of the Confederate War monuments. Yes, he loves them. So he is running. Uh, he has the backing of the Dallas County Republicans and the Dallas Jewish Conservatives, which is, uh, you know, that's interesting. Dallas Jewish uh, Conservatives were the Barry Warnock group from the last uh, election. And they, uh, when when they say conservative, they are they not it. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> they, they mean it. So Kathy Stewart, Brian Hassenbauer, the two top candidates probably in D10. Hassenbauer uh, was on the CDC, is part of the Lake Highlands White Rock Democrats and is really active in that group. Um, Brian, you know, uh, Brian's interesting. He's a very nice guy and yeah. he would be great. Like these are, this is a choice between two people who would both do a great job and who would both be massive improvements <laughs> over what they have now. Um, but uh, yeah, he um, he seemed to think that uh, he had a chance at getting McGue's endorsement because he was a a board and commission appointee, and was you know before McGue endorsed, he was more or less uh, scraping and, and groveling uh, for that endorsement. And when he didn't get it, I I think that was sad for him. Yeah, that's rough. He does have endorsements from the Dallas Neighbors for Housing Group and from the Stonewall Democrats. Kathy Stewart is who we think is probably most likely to be the one who wins this seat. Kathy has been endorsed by Adam. I think Kathy will either win on May the 6th or she will uh, prevail in the runoff. I think it's I think she's going to be really hard to beat. She's got a great resume. Um, she knows City Hall inside and out. Um, and I, I don't know, she's, uh, I, that is, District 10 is the site of the affordable housing project that I have bent the listeners' ears on quite a bit. Um, and, By affordable housing project, do you mean den of crime? Yes, and probably yeah. <laughs> the thing that causes uh, all of the real estate in Dallas to tank. Um, uh, yeah, and so... Um, you know, I talked to her about it. I was like, look, if I, if I, ha if I get my way, I think that my project will be out of the way before your election even happens because that's what the city manager told me. Um, and that turned out not to be true, but I will say that she has agreed with me that it is not necessary for her to address it. So I'm very happy to report that my real estate project has not become a district 10 election issue. 
Caleb could stay out of the D10 blogs that are. Well, I'm just raising it as an example of Kathy having some political sense, um, which I think she she has in SCADS. She was the executive director for an organization that I love very much, but that has a board that is exceptionally difficult to serve. Um, and, you know, this is the this is kind of the similar resume as Gay Willis, who was the executive director at the uh, Lee Park Arlington Hall Conservancy back before we got rid of Lee. Um, and that's a that's a tough board to serve. And so people who can do that, who can manage boards that are, you know, rich people who think they're always right. Um, that's that, that's a serious political talent, I think. That takes us down to D9. So Paula Blackman, of course, the incumbent there in District 9. She does have a challenger in Kendra Denise Madison. Kendra Who has Denise not Madison. been seen or heard from, has she? Yeah, and did not really even fill out or didn't didn't really do, spend a lot of time on the morning news or the legal women voters questionnaires. I haven't seen a single sign and I've been over there. Um, it seems like she, uh, yeah, is concerned about there being unhoused people at White Rock Lake. Seems I to am too. Her, yeah. But my solution is to give them housing, not to chop them to bits. <laughs> or arrest them, right? That yeah. was the other <laughs> one that was uh, suggested. So uh, we think Paula will win in a landslide there. Um, Paula really, you know, the the candidates last time weren't great, but they did have money and they spent some money and she fucking kicked their asses. I can't believe anybody ran against her. And I was, uh, if folks have not listened to it, I do encourage people to go back and listen to our interview with Paula. Uh, I thought it was a phenomenal interview. Um, and I found out about a lot more things than I even knew that she was working on at City Hall. Uh, yep, and left away from it being super, super impressed. Well, she just uh, had more ideas than you and I had heard of yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, if she's serious about pursuing them, they sound great. That takes us to District 8. So Tanel Atkins is the incumbent there. Um, and he has been in that job for a long time. He seems to have a hold on that seat. I don't think there's a lot to talk about here. Um, Tanel, um, I thought the morning news um, endorsement of him was not entirely founded in fact, uh, but th there's a reason for that. It's because they think he's just going to win, so they're trying to find nice things to say about him. Um, and it's not like Tanel's terrible. I, I like Tanel. Um, he's definitely voted right sometimes. But the major thing they continue to point out is... Um, you know, development down there seems to run through him, which means there has been development, but then there has been roadblocks to other developers. Mm -hmm. And it seems to depend on who you are, uh, which isn't great. Um, and then there's the environmental stuff. Um, no one can argue that Shingle Mountain would have taken as long to clean up as it did if Tanel had been really committed to getting it cleaned up. Um, and so that's, I think that that's just a real ding on him. Um, you know, I, I don't think that he's been, um, at least on that issue, I, I think anybody down there could, could, could notice that he didn't do all that much. He kind of came along afterwards and cheered for the cleanup, 
But I think that's very different. I mean, because he had already served a full eight years in the seat with that thing sitting over there. And then another four years in the seat in his second round at City Hall without ever actually doing anything about it. And, you know, it's people like Jim Sherbeck and, and Robert Wolonsky and the the next door neighbor, I forget her, that woman's name, who, who are the ones who made this happen. The cleanup, that is. He does have two challengers, uh, Devante Peters, who apparently was involved in the Lane Plating Community Advisory Group, which worked as a liaison between the neighborhood and around the plant and the EPA as they worked for cleaning up a Superfund site and also claims that he led efforts to rename a portion of Lamar Street after Botham John. Botham John. Devante's telling the truth about both of those things. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And then Sabrina Brenham is the other candidate, business owner, volunteer with Parkland, Healthy Start, member of the NAACP and Dallas Infant Mortality Group. I don't know Sabrina really well, but I, I know of her and I know Devante fairly well. And here again, if you're in District 8 and you're listening to this show, first of all, I don't think you exist. Maybe you do. Um, the uh, it, These two people are perfectly credible. Um, I think they they would do a great job in the seat. Um, but based on just looking around at the level of interest they've been able to generate in their campaigns, it doesn't seem like they're mounting that much of a challenge. Devante also ran last time, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, okay, that takes us to seven, which is, uh, I don't know, often is sign of silly season, um, but uh, seems to be less silly this year. Well, yeah, again, go back and listen to our talk with Adam Basildua, which I thought was wide ranging and very fun. Um, but, you know, the takeaway that I think you and I had from that, Tyler, is that um, unlike the last several times District 7 has been contested, um, there aren't that many challengers. It's very weird when you have like three challengers and you, it's like, wow, that's not a lot. Um, but uh they don't seem to be putting up much of a fight. No, Okima Thomas is one of the opponents. Um, no forms or questionnaires that she submitted. Tracy Dottie Hill, who lives in Buckner Terrace, a real estate broker, member of NAACP, volunteers with Dallas ISD, and is a Democrat chair, precinct uh, chairperson. And Marvin Crenshaw. Is also Marv, you know, Marvin was one of the plaintiffs in the original uh, single member district litigation in Dallas and deserves to be venerated for that for forever. Um, but, you know, he just he just runs every time he doesn't actually do anything. Um, and he's got a, he's he's become uh, extremely active in the BDS campaign um against israel um and i certainly want israel to be nicer to palestinians i don't know that bds is really a great uh i don't think it's a great campaign and i certainly don't think it's something that needs a place on the dallas city council let's see that takes us to six omar narvaez the incumbent there is facing a handful of challenges from 
Sydney Robles Martinez, political consultant, also a Democrat precinct chairperson. Monica Alonzo, former council member for D6. And Tony Carrillo, businessman, volunteer for organizations, and in Dallas ISD, vice president of La Bajada Neighborhood Community Association and the Mexican American Baseball League. He has also run for that office before. Yeah, and Tony is not a criminal to my knowledge. Uh, I always have actually thought he was a very nice man. Um, but uh, the other two are definitely fucking criminals. <laughs> Sydney describing himself as a political consultant is quite funny. What what, what Sydney is is an extortionist. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we think Omar will win that one uh, probably without question. I'm I'm pulling for Omar to hang 80 on those fuckers. Um, that takes us to District 5. The incumbent there is Jaime. He has faces opponents in Yolanda Faye Williams and Terry Perkins. I have never met Terry, and that was a new name to me from this race. Yolanda is the former park board chair from uh district five um and uh one of the most um difficult to get along with people in dallas public life um the facebook page uh blocked by yolanda from the park board has something like 150 members um <laughs> i think i'm an admin actually i did not create it um <laughs> And uh, yeah, she is, uh, if you want entertainment, go back and listen to any, and I mean any, park board meeting from the period of time from uh, 2013 through 20, when did Ricky leave? 17? 17 or 19, I can't remember when Ricky left, but any any of those times when Yolanda was on the park board, it, her her comments are, I, I mean, they're invariably hostile, not always clear who the hostility is against, and they're borderline impossible to parse. It's just, it's it's crazy town. She um for for a long time she one of her social media handles was first female GM, um, which I think referred to her um ambition to be the first female GM of an NFL team. Oh, not huh. I do not think that her resume contains any um professional experience in sports management of any kind. But I, I, hey, I don't know. <laughs> uh terry perkins did run last time did come close to a runoff this last time as well has been on the park board board of adjustments um one of the mayor's mini task force <laughs> task force i cultural affairs commission and is the pastor of abundant grace church do you have any sense for that race tyler i have not been to district five i've not been to d5 since the race yeah. began no, I um, think I would assume that Jaime is probably. Jaime, Jaime, no, I mean, 
I'm a Jaime contributor. He doesn't, he didn't call me for money. I assume that means he's okay. <laughs> Jaime, if you're out there and you need help, please call. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> um, that takes us to district four, Carolyn King Arnold, the uh, venerable incumbent there faces a challenge from Jamie Smith, who is an accountant. That race, I mean, I assume Carolyn King Arnold will win as she always does. I just don't know how you, um, it, Jamie is kind of from the same side of the district as Carolyn, as, as I understand it. And that's really where Carolyn's base is. I think the way to win that district is to run from the northern part of the district. Um, uh, but it, it's just hard. She's been very popular with her uh, constituents uh, for reasons I don't understand generally. But I think the morning news actually got this one right when they pointed out that in the last couple of years, she's seriously matured as, as a leader. And I think that's, I think that's true. Like, I think you can point to votes where that's definitely true. She used to be a hundred percent opposed to the deck park over uh, I-35 and no one could really discern a, a, a motive for that other than that Dwayne was for it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and now she is kind of leading some of that community work to try to make the park what the community wants it to be. I think that's an improvement. I think it's, I don't see any problem. I mean, if, if, you know, D4 people have been telling us for many cycles that they like her. And so if they want to tell us that again, I got no problem with it. I think, I think she has really, um, something happened where she seems to have gotten better. I suspect some of that is the influence of Omar Narvaez, who's become pretty close to her. Um, but, you know, she's more than welcome to have an hour of our time on this show to explain exactly what she thinks and to uh, refute my analysis. We would be happy to have her. <laughs> that takes us to D3, which is also an open seat. So Casey Thomas, term limited from running again. He has endorsed Zarin Gracie for that seat. There are a number of people running in it. August Doyle, retired former employee of the city of Dallas. Denise Benavides, community organizer and activist who ran in 2019, but dropped out because of a high-rich pregnancy. She has made uh, a lot of her uh, campaign about short-term rentals. Um, John David Sims. Which is weird because Zarin's against short-term rentals also. Yeah. But the, yeah, oh, that's the thing that she has yeah highlighted. John David Sims is also running, um, allegedly, but has not done a lot of things to show he's running. <laughs> Joe Tape. Again. <laughs> Joe Tape came very, very close in 2015. Um, and you know, I worked on that campaign. Joe is not a perfect candidate, but he is, um, you know, he's, he, he's, he does, uh, Casey had a bad habit, in my opinion, of doing what the money wanted. Um, and, uh, and I'm not saying in a crooked way, I'm saying when it, official Dallas, establishment Dallas wanted something, he was very interested in getting it to them. Um, you know, so I, I think that's not great. And Joe definitely doesn't have that trait. Um, 
but I think uh, Zarin is the best candidate on paper and probably has the best chance because both because of his resume, but also because of Casey's endorsement. Um, and Zarin was a long time uh, MWBE coordinator for the city of Dallas. Um, and I thought did a great job uh, at, in that role. It's Texas is very difficult to do um, preferential procurement and hiring to try to include you know, um, historically um, disadvantaged businesses. And he he managed to do some creative stuff on that front. So I think that's good. He's been wobbly about LGBT stuff because he is a pastor at a fairly conservative black church. But this will not be a surprise to any black listener that that's, that's just kind of the state of play in the black church these days. Um, so I think he wins. Whether he can win without a runoff looks pretty tough. I don't know. I hope he can, but I, you know, if he if he needs a runoff, then probably I'll go help him. That takes us to D two, where I live. Uh, Jesse Moreno, the incumbent uh, there, has a is facing uh, an opponent in Sukbeer Carr. Carr. I have never heard her name pronounced, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, she moved to Dallas from Euless, works in customer service. Um, is endorsed by the Dallas County Republican Party. I can't really, Jesse, I think has done a, a fairly good job, right? Uh, in representing District 2. I don't know that I find myself agreeing with him like 100% of the time. He but, sold out to Harlan Crow, which I think is not helpful for him. But I think he doesn't have to worry about anything because you can't win as a Republican in District Two. Um, yeah, Harlan Crow, uh, boy, that guy—he <laughs> just uh, has had a, a tough time, you know. Yes, he's he's a victim. He's a, he's a victim. I don't not to, and I went on Twitter about this. I don't want to deviate, but the, did you find it wild that they had Kevin Sherrington write that piece about him in the morning news? Yes. I was reading that on Sunday and I'm like, this really a sports guy? We thought that was the best person to write the Harlan Crow. You know, I don't know. Apology, not apology. I'm a victim. That, he, it was weird. Everything about that was strange. And the sit down, I forget the journalist who did the sit down interview with him. Um, that was weird, too. I wouldn't call that hard hitting. Uh, and, you know, look, he's just a guy that likes collecting, you know, artifacts of, you know, crazy, awful leaders, just like anyone does. I um, Who among us doesn't have, you know, statues of Hitler? I think a lot of his friends have tried to create kind of very, very um, flimsy apologia for him. Uh, and I'm not his friend. I am a friendly acquaintance of Harlan. I have spent time with Harlan. Have you been on the super yacht? I was not invited on the super <laughs> yacht. Uh, Jesse didn't even get on the super yacht, even though he handed him millions of dollars in zoning. Um, <laughs> so Jesse, I mean, Jesse got punked on that deal, I say. But uh, it, I, the thing that is so hard to explain about a guy who has contributed tens of millions of dollars to Republicans in the last several years 
and who appears to look there's no bet there's no other way to put it he is inappropriately funding a judicial officer of the united states um it, it it's it's it is so it looks so much like a supervillain or like a cartoon villain <laughs> that it's impossible for people to believe, I think, that Harlan is just that fucking naive. He honestly thinks that he can collect Hitler shit and it's just like history. <laughs> he doesn't think that reflects any sort of ideological bent on his part. He thinks that he can have justice thomas on his super yacht in malaysia a trip that is reputed to have cost half a million dollars and that that's just okay just being friends that's just yeah. being friends and, uh, and and so it's it's very strange i don't want to give into anybody's idea that there was anything less than just outright uh you know um sympathy for the nazis and uh, at corruption and that those the, the the simple versions of this story are actually true but there is another layer to it just underneath which is this is a phenomenally naive person for a guy with that much money yeah which is scary considering this is also a person who wields a gigantic amount of power within our fair burg of dallas don't i know it Harlan Crow contributed $25,000 to a pack that had one purpose. Get rid of yours truly. <laughs> that uh, Well, yeah, maybe if you would have gone on a super yacht, you could have talked him out of it, Philip. I don't know. If I'd been invited, I would have gone because I, <laughs> I was always, of the, I'm not a judicial officer. I'm always of the opinion that uh, Charlie Wilson, the congressman from East Texas, yeah, always said liberal that, from Lampasas. Yeah, if you... Uh, if, if you can't uh, take their money, drink their booze, sleep with their women, and vote against them in the morning, you got no business being <laughs> in Congress. Rest his soul. Uh, <laughs> that takes us to D1, which uh, is probably the race that has garnered the most interest. And without having any data, I don't really know, but it seems like the one that's probably the closest. Um, Chad pulled it 50 just under 53 percent uh in uh 2021 um he's done a lot since then to make sure he didn't have another scare but you have to assume that there are voters in that district who are going to vote against him again um so i you know i we are big chad fans um in terms of policy stuff he's you know he's the most active on council um so i i don't know man um i I want him to win. I have tried to do everything I can to make that happen. Um, but he's up against a candidate that is funded by Domingo Garcia. Uh, now, apparently, <clears throat> he's being funded by a PAC that uh, Domingo has, we think, has heavily funded far in excess of the campaign finance limits. Um, and the PAC has spoken favorably of both Mata and Mariana Griggs. Um, they have both denied any involvement with that PAC, but they have also pointedly refused to ask the PAC to stop it. Um, so this is some great A bullshit, and I don't know for a fact that it's Domingo funding it, but whoever is funding it 
should fucking cut it out. It's really, really dishonest shit. So the two candidates there, Mariana Griggs, who uh, is very online, lives a very online, active social media uh, presence. Which X fortunately has kept her from block walking. Which... <laughs> X, X, uh, she is the ex-wife of Scott Griggs, who used to hold that seat and unsuccessfully ran for mayor. Um, and Albert Mata, who uh, is a community activist and organizer with Somos Tejas, who definitely, I think, was a big part in trying to generate more, I don't know, input, involvement from the Latino community in Oak Cliff in the WOCAP plan. Um, I think that'll be a really interesting race to see what happens. Part of me wonders if by having two people running against Chad, if they aren't just giving it to Chad, right? There's probably a Chad vote and an anti-Chad vote. And by splitting the anti-Chad vote, you know, does that just sort of clear the way for him to, to turn back a runoff? I don't know. I think that's right. And I also think we've mentioned this before, both in his last election and this one, his opponents have relied on messaging that's really easy for him to dispute. Like they're saying he doesn't work for affordable housing. Uh, bullshit, man. The, the guy's done more for affordable housing than just about anybody. You know, uh, that's just absolute bullshit. And in the last couple of years, the other thing that he says is that they they don't, you know, he doesn't represent them. Well, Albert Mata worked on this WOCAP thing, right, with thousands of other people, and they all got exactly what they fucking wanted. So mm -hmm. what is Albert Mata saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough, yeah, definitely a tough road for him to 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 pull. Um, let's see, uh, of the districts uh, or the endorsements, they have been sort of somewhat evenly spread. So Chad has the endorsements of the Dallas Neighbors for Housing Group, the Stonewall Democrats, the Morning News, the Builders, the Firefighters, the Police Folks, the Apartment Folks, the Metro Texas Association of Realtors, and the Sierra Club. Mariana has endorsements from the Dallas County Republican Party. And Albert has endorsements from the 23rd Senatorial District Tejano Democrats, the Mexican-American Bar Association, and Giovanni Valderas. Um, if I say Albert Mata's campaign is 100% about identity and 0% about policy, I don't, I don't really give a shit if he's offended. Uh, so that is your council districts one to 14. I think we feel like all of the incumbents are likely to win. I think we feel like the current, uh, the open races who the current office holders have endorsed in those races are likely to win. Um, and if you notice the morning news agrees with us, they do at least or that's who they picked, I, too, which is a weird place to be in to agree with the editorial board. It made you me know, question myself. That feels yucky. Um, there are two DISD races, too, uh, including a big one that is in um, our part of town, though across the street from me. So DISD District 2, uh, which includes Lakewood. Are you in down, 8? North Dallas. I am in 9. Uh, Dan Mitchke? No. 8. Justin. Eight. Justin. Justin Henry. Yes. Whatever number he Wait, is. no, 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 that's not eight. Justin is nine. You're in nine. I think it's nine. Eight yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, Joe. So there are two contested races in DISD school board races. District two, which includes North Dallas, most of Lakewood and Uptown, has uh, a handful of candidates that are running in it. 
um, Kevin Malinson. Malonson. Malonson. Jimmy Tran. I'm with Jimmy. Uh, and Sarah Weinberg. I'm not with you. I shouldn't say that. That's just what his signs say. Uh, and Sarah Weinberg. Um, I met Sarah Weinberg last Saturday at a tennis match uh, over at Cistercian Prep. Had a good conversation with her. Um, I met her on Monday when early voting started and she shook my, I was trying to talk to somebody else and she was trying to get my attention. And she said, Oh, are you voting uh, in DISD? And I, I was like, I didn't mean to be mean, but I was like trying to divide my attention between two conversations, which I can't do. And so I just looked straight at her and said, Melanson. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin it was horrible. Is, I felt so bad. <laughs> Kevin is a former teacher, currently is an executive director of a nonprofit, Teach Plus Texas. Um, he is on the board with Commit and the Dallas College School of Education, Educator Collective has also done lots of work within Dallas ISD, has a, a lot of really strong credentials, right, for that job. Is a DISD dad. Is a DISD dad. Jimmy Tran. It's important to point that out because Jimmy Tran keeps saying that he's the only person in the race with kids in the district, which is not true. Jimmy Tran, entrepreneur, member of the Dallas Economic Development Corporation, was on the bond committee, does have children in DISD schools, um, feels like, um, yeah, he, I, I, I don't know. I have, and then Sarah Weinberg, the other candidate who works with United to Learn, has been involved with KIPP, member of Leadership ISD's fellowship class, um, was Dallas Community Fellow of the Year, worked with SMU's Bud Center for Involving Communities in Education, uh, is from more of the sort of, I guess, typical, what I would call sort of Republican education reform crowd seems to be. It, okay, yeah, 100% agree. But did you notice Melanson has all of the reform endorsements? Yeah, right. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Dallas Kids First, Educate Dallas by the NEA as well. Weinberg's endorsements are from... Oh, was given a B rating from Dallas Kids First. Yeah. Uh, and she has the backing of Dustin Marshall, the incumbent. And, you know, it, it, there are neighbors of mine who will disagree with me, but I don't think I, I would not want to be endorsed by <laughs> Dustin. Um, the, yeah, it's a this is a weird race because so many Democrats are supporting Sarah and Jimmy, who are let's let's be very clear here. Republicans who are in favor of vouchers and charter schools. There is only one public school advocate in that race. <laughs> yeah, that is going to be a really interesting one to to watch, right? I, I think. Um, I don't know. There are. Uh, I've seen a lot of Sarah signs and a lot of Jimmy signs in my uh, walks around the neighborhood. Accurate. And Sarah got the endorsements of Nathan Johnson and John Turner, which caused me to actually do kind of a spit take. I wish I had not already poured myself a drink when I got the mail. Um, and I texted both of those gentlemen and neither one was real anxious to give me a substantive response to what they were doing. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's a nonpartisan race. So there's cover for people to say, oh, I'm not endorsing a Republican. 
let's be fucking real people. There is one Democrat and two Republicans in that race. <laughs> that, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. The other contested race for DICD is in District 6. Six. Joyce Foreman is the incumbent there, um, was first elected to that seat in 2014, um, has been involved in the Greater Dallas Chambers Executive Committee, the DART Board, El Centro, um, had an office company for 30 years uh, as well. Her, She is running against Stephen Poole, who has done some work with Dallas County's juvenile department. Um, I feel like that one is going to be a, a sleeper. I, Joyce seems like she's very likely to win. 100% agree. And Joyce is... Um, Joyce makes trouble. Um, I like that about her. A lot of people in DISD don't like that about her. Um, but she has been the strongest voice far and away against the negative impact charter schools have had on our public schools here in Dallas of anybody. Um, and to his credit, uh, Michaelina Hosa was stalwart against the the pernicious effects of of charter schools. Um, so I don't know. I'm a Joyce fan. I, I like if if she talks too much at the meeting and pisses people off. I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> Sometimes people need what good trouble. That's always a good thing, right? Yep. So that's uh, what the election preview from the folks of Loserville. Hopefully folks, if they've not voted yet, will arm themselves with this insightful knowledge and use it to equip themselves. Um, I uh, I have friend groups that I uh, always make my endorsement list and share them with folks accordingly. Um, encourage other people to do the same. And if anything, just remind people to go vote. Yeah, Please we, the, vote. our, 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 Tyler and I enjoy being wrong. I know that doesn't sound right, but we do, we really do. I love getting positively surprised. You know, when I'm skeptical about something and it, and it happen, turns out in a good way anyway, that's that's a nice thing. And so there's no reason we have to have a low turnout. You, you could talk to your friends and neighbors. You could try to get uh, five or 10 people to the polls. Um, and, you know, based on the sort of average. Um, yeah, you uh, may be a really important vote. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you have you a very have... good chance of being an important vote this time. So, you know, let, uh, we ha we have time to turn this around. We got four days of early voting left, and um, if we crank it up, then maybe this won't be a catastrophically uh, low turnout election. So, hopefully, folks get out there and vote again. They can do it Saturday, eight to five. Sunday from seven to seven. No, Monday. Sunday noon, noon to six, right? Noon to six, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, eight to five tomorrow, noon to six on Sunday, seven to seven on Monday and Tuesday. And then if you haven't voted by then, you have to wait uh, until election day, Saturday, May the 6th. And if you happen to wait until Saturday, May the 6th, just forget to mention that to me if if, <laughs> if we happen to meet. It, I, just... I, I can't tell you how much that shit pisses me off. And you can vote at any polling location in the county. For now, Bob Hall, now. if he has his uh, wishes, <laughs> uh, he'll make people go back to voting in their precincts. I don't think Bob has um, any movement on his bill in the House, which we can, the, the small mercies that we can look for from the Texas legislature at this point, we can say that at least the Texas House 
doesn't want to do what Bob Hall wants. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good thing in almost every, every, every facet imagine. Indeed. Awesome. Thanks. Enjoy it, Tyler. Every day the sun will shine Take me to another place in my life Everything is beautiful And no one wants to need No sun